And now it's time for Madison's Mad Facts with your host, Madison Standish. Hey everybody, it's Madison. Welcome to another Madison on the Air bonus feature of Madison's Mad Facts, where we look at the way things were in real life back during these old-timey radio shows. This month, I got to hang out in the 1930s with the wealthy young man about town, Lamont Cranston, also known as the Shadow. At the very beginning of our episode, Lamont and I are playing a scavenger hunt that leads us into trouble. So what I want to talk about on this Madison's Mad Facts is the history of scavenger hunts and how they were an absolute phenomenon in the 1930s. Here to discuss it with me is Aaron Stahl, our mysterious voice of the Shadow. Hey, Aaron. Sup? <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. So most of us have played a scavenger hunt of some kind when we were kids, where you have a list of things you have to find and the first team to get them all wins, right? But in the 1930s, their scavenger hunts were way bigger and not just for a few knickknacks. Much bigger. The first scavenger hunt that launched the 1930s craze took place in New York City in 1933 at a party held at the Waldorf Astoria by the gossip columnist Elsa Maxwell. New York socialites were sent off all over town collecting items to win first prize, which was $500. That's about $8,000 in today's money. Eight grand? Not bad. Okay, so what kind of items did they have to find for that kind of payout? Items varied, but it certainly was helpful to be part of New York's social elite. Participants had to get a signature of a future mayor of New York City dated that very night and Jimmy Durante's shoe. So knowing politicians and celebrities would definitely come in handy. That always comes in handy. Another item they were required to bring back was a red lantern. The police were told about this ahead of time, so no participant would be arrested if caught stealing a lantern, just as long as the lanterns were returned in a reasonable amount of time. Hello, white privilege. (laughs) Yeah. The police weren't always on board with these citywide games. A few years after that, a scavenger hunt in Illinois caused a participant to get a speeding ticket as he was racing to meet the deadline. When the officer learned he was speeding because of the game, he not only gave that guy a speeding ticket, but the officer also fined the people responsible for holding the scavenger hunt. I guess that's something, right? Okay, so what were the craziest things they had to find? Two items on the list were the most beautiful woman and the wittiest man, neither of whom could already be participating in the game. Players had to physically bring these people back to the Waldorf Astoria. Participants also needed to find a live goat and a monkey. One player couldn't find either animal, but instead returned to the hotel with a live honey bear he'd gotten from a Broadway Nickelodeon show. The bear stuck around for a photo op afterwards. (laughs) Nice. Then that makes more sense that in our episode of The Shadow, you and I were trying to find a peg-legged tugboat captain. I guess what, you would offer to split the prize money to convince him to come with you? (laughs) Actually, it was against the rules to buy an item or pay the human participant, so the players had to persuade the individual to come along. This actually became the plot of a popular 1936 movie called My Man Godfrey, where Carol Lombard has to convince William Powell to come with her as her forgotten man to win her scavenger hunt. So in modern day, what does a scavenger hunt look like? Scavenger hunts today come in all shapes and sizes. Most of us are familiar with kids' games where you are sent to find small items, but there are still huge citywide games. The University of Chicago has hosted a scavenger hunt on a grand scale every May since 1987. 
challenging students to earn points by what they bring back on the list, as well as performing tasks like one year, a team built a nuclear reactor in their dorm room. <laughs> no way. Sounds like my roommate in college, who I swear didn't wash one item of clothing our entire freshman year. <laughs> but scavenger hunts have also gone digital. Geocaching allows people to play virtually anywhere in the world at any time of the year. Participants hide items out in everyday life, leaving clues on a website or app for others to try and find. Most items will include a logbook, so each player can record their success. This type of scavenger hunt is usually a cornerstone of ARGs, or alternate reality games, which brings the scavenger hunt into a narrative storyline often around popular entertainment franchises. And of course, Pokemon Go, that I mentioned in our episode, which is a completely virtual scavenger hunt, where there are no actual items to find, they're all part of the Pokemon Go app. Right. That's called augmented reality, where real-world items are enhanced by computer-generated visuals, sounds, or other sensory generators. Pokemon Go is just one of many scavenger hunt games of that style. Well, thank you so much for talking with us about scavenger hunts, Aaron. Sorry that, you know, murder got in the way of the one we were playing. We'll have to try to play another one again soon. <laughs> All's well that ends well? That's more Shakespeare than Shadow, but, but thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully, uh, we won't need a scavenger hunt to find our next episode, because they can keep tuning in here. Woohoo! Ooh, subtle segue. Thanks, Aaron. And thank you guys for listening to our little bonus feature, Madison's Mad Facts. Aaron is totes right. More episodes of Madison on the Air will premiere here the first of every month. Woo-woo! <laughs>